again, it's Adam, and we had the fantastic opportunity to speak with Robert Randolph of Robert Randolph and the Family Band over Zoom video. Robert was born and raised in New Jersey. He talks about growing up in the church and how he got into music. Really, the church got him into music. He started playing drums around five years old, and he talked about how he had to kind of work his way up to playing in the church band. And when he got in the church band, he's playing three, four nights a week. He did that for a while, and at 14 years old is when he started to play the pedal steel guitar. The pedal steel guitar has been a prominent instrument uh, in his church for a number of years. He called it the sacred steel, and he discovered playing it while he was at a convention in Florida. Now Robert's on Rolling Stone's list of the 100 greatest guitar players of all time, which is insane. He's got six studio albums out. He's been Grammy-nominated four times. He talks about his journey in music. And you can watch our interview with Robert on our Facebook page and YouTube channel. He has this rad Zoom background. I've never seen one like it before, so you definitely have to check that out. Facebook page, YouTube channel. We'd love it if you subscribe to our YouTube channel and like us on Facebook at Bringing It Backwards and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Bringing Back Pod. We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Or bringing it backwards with Robert Randolph. Uh, my name's Adam, by the way, and uh, our podcast is about you and your journey in music. Oh, awesome, Adam! Thanks a lot. Yeah. Um, first off, tell me about where where were you born and raised? Born and raised in Newark, New Jersey. What was it like growing up there? Cool. It's adventurous. It's fun. You know, we got you know the long history of Newark. Uh, with all of the different uh, people, uh, uh, the culture, the music, um, all of the different adventures, education, church, all of that. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's cool. You know, Newark sure. used to be a very diverse city. Now it's it's pretty much not that, but it's uh, it's a great historical. It's, it's historically it's a great city. Okay. You and know. growing up there, you, you grew up kind of in the church, right? Or literally in the church, right? Yeah, all in the church. Grew up playing music um, in my church, which my family had their church, which is a part of this organization called the House of God Church. And we grew up um, just going to church four days a week, spending hours and hours at church. That's where I gained all of my sort of musical knowledge, culture, and all of that. So, was was the rest of your family musical? I mean, like, how did you really get into music? Uh, we got into music. Um, yeah, we was drawn to music. You know, just because our church is a very musically dominated church, so all of the singing, all of the joy, um, learning how music in our church which was, you know, I'll say it again, which was sort of the main focus. It's not, I don't know if it was focused, but it's the highlight of the church, mm -hmm. how music uh, brought smile to people's faces, brought all of these different emotions out. So that's how I was able to take all of that, those experiences and were able to share those with the world and, and really wanted to, especially being that our church was known for the pedal steel slide guitar, which is sort of like this history of sort of like the Buena Vista Social Club of this hidden tradition that was within our church organization for 
I mean, it's almost a hundred, actually a hundred years now. Wow. So, so yeah, and going all the way back to the 1920s. That's, that's cool. That's wow. That's really cool. Did you have a pedal steel guitar player at your church prior to in like, was there somebody there that kind of was your inspiration for learning that instrument? Yeah. Yeah. See, our church is an organization spread all across the U S especially oh, okay. all the way from Boston, all the way down to Miami, Florida. Okay. So this small church organization, which is looking back, it's sort of like a, a chitlin circuit, right. Of our church. So there were many different steel players in our church. So the, the, it's kind of like, you know, it's like if you blow, grow up in the Delta blues, you know, you got your, everybody's a star. Everybody's mm-hmm. a local star in these amongst this chitlin circuit. So that's what our church had. So I grew up watching all these different guys and those, they became my inspirations. Oh, wow. was there a particular person that kind of took you under their wing and like mentored you on, at the instrument or did you just pick it up? And there was a lot it? of guys. There was a guy named Henry Nelson. There was a guy named Chuck Campbell. There's a guy named Ted Beard, Calvin Cook, Leo Nelson, uh, all of these different players in our church that helped kind of help me, especially, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, these guys were sort of the muddy waters, the BB Kings of our sacred okay. steel gospel pedal steel tradition so you know wow. yeah with with that like was the pedal steel guitar the first instrument you learned how to play was that something that you were just immediately drawn to i actually grew up a drummer really? i was a drum yeah i was a drum player until i was probably 14 15 and that's when i started to get into the pedal steel guitar as a drummer was that did you play in the church as a drummer Played in the church. Oh, yeah. I was a great drummer in church. I was the man. (laughs) When when did you pick up drums? When I was five years old, you know. Really? Yeah. For most kids growing up in church playing music, you you are, you know, drums is sort of always the first thing you pick up on. Right. Mm -hmm. It's like most kids want to be the drummer. Right. So I have a five year old that wants to be the drummer. So we had to get him a kid over COVID. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly, Electric, right. so we didn't blow our ears out. Exactly. Oh, that's the best move you made too. <laughs> you made you made the entire best move with that one. Oh, I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, because uh, it's funny too. Because I don't know how. I basically don't know how all my parents and neighbors and everybody dealt with me growing up learning how to play music in church. So I have no idea how they sat through that all of those hours of loud out of tune practicing <laughs> it's kind of brutal yeah. when you started learning drums how quickly were you able to play with with the church band like was there a moment that you remember that kind of got like okay you know now robert's good enough he's gonna play with the band today uh when you talk about the drums yeah, the drum. That wasn't that the first instrument you picked up on and played in the church, the drums? Well, yeah. I mean, in church is always a process. You know, it's like boot camp. You learn, you get to play like the final song of the service and you grow mm-hmm. old and you wait till somebody doesn't show up on a weeknight. Then, then that's like your big shot. And then you just get to you just get better. You know, you it's just church is a boot camp of learning how to play music. I tell most people. Most church musicians, I mean, it's always great to learn theory, but 
you know, that's the beauty of, of growing up in churches. It's like we you're always a performer. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. you, you learn how to perform because you're always playing in front of a crowd. You have so much trial and error. You got all of these people telling you you screwed up and you got to work on this that week. And, oh, you play great. There's all these moments happening. So that's that's the beauty of playing in church, you know, mm-hmm. where most church players don't have to go to a music college or a music school mm-hmm. you know you get your own school right i mean you got your own i mean other than learning theory which you know there's some cats that learn like that way at church you you know you can learn if somebody teach you the theory but growing up in church is almost it's the ultimate everything sure. it's like getting your master's in <laughs> you know getting your master's degree because you go through every level of everything right mm-hmm. that's why when you look out here, most most of the great artists have always grown up in church. When you look at uh-huh. you know, James Brown, Al Green, Sly Stone came from church, you know, Blind Boys of Alabama. You look at all of the old blues guys and all of the gospel singers, Beyonce. I mean, you can go, list goes on and on and on mm-hmm. and on. We all kind of grew up in church. And that's and it's not just music, you know, you 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 grow up in church. That's where you sort of get educated, man. You know, I was telling somebody the other day, it's like, you know, in church, you, you know, you go to thing called Sunday school as a kid, right. Where mm-hmm. you learn to read and recite. And, but by the time you're a young child in Sunday school, you're already saying names like Nebuchadnezzar and Obadiah and, you know, Jehovah, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, right. And all of these different names, right? All of these different biblical names. And you looking at these difficult spellings and you're reading, spelling. Then you have to go before audiences and recite these different right. things. Read aloud so, in front of people, right? I mean, yeah. So, yeah. So there's by the time you become a music artist or a orator, a debate team, when you get older, like you already, you already been through those programs, those free mm-hmm. programs. Sure. I know I've spoken you know, with a lot of artists that kind of came through the church and, uh, as like drummers or guitar players. Cause like you said earlier, you already kind of, you, I mean, you have an audience there waiting to see you every Sunday or every, whatever day you're playing on in, in the church band. But it's like, you're not showing up to these, trying to cut your teeth and playing in front of nobody. Right. For a while, like you already are getting experience performing in front of X amount of people. You're already full on, man. There's nothing <laughs> you're 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 because when you're playing in church, you know, you just like family and friends and people that you, you know, in history. So they criticize you all the time. So that's why I call it boot camp. So they like, you played the song wrong. You didn't do it right. You need to go home and practice. So by time, like I said, by the time you get I don't know how long you've been playing, by the time you you get out here in the world and you're you're in the in the massive world and music world and you're performing and doing all these different things. Pe- performing is the easiest part, right? right? In front of an audience because you've already been doing that. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's and it's easier to perform in front of a smaller crowd than it is a bigger crowd. Right. Sure. The bigger crowds are like you could always find somebody that's digging it or whatever, right? A smaller audience is just like you got these little bit of people that's critique, you know, they are like really critiquing critique. you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I would imagine playing in the church too. You're playing in front of people that you're going to see every week. Right. I mean, it's not like you're going to 
Chicago and performing in front of a handful of people that you don't know at all. It's like, you got to come back next Sunday and <laughs> face these people again if you screw up, right? <laughs> hey, not even next Sunday. You got it. I mean, look, our church is with, like I said, at least three times a week. Oh, sure. Okay. You, know, you got Wednesday. They call it Wednesday night, Wednesday night service, Friday night service, and then you got Sunday. So you got three chances, you know? So you're performing, man. You're, you're in there. Right, right. So... Wow. And each night of the week is least amount of people in there. So you could be in there on a Wednesday with 10 people, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's the beauty of it all and how actually churches sort of become this community connector in so many different ways, Mm -hmm. especially in the education side. Like I said, I mean, I mean, what's weird is when you talk to most church musicians or church kids, right? That grew up in church since you've already been. And I remember growing up, you know, like, you, you know, you would go to church and you would do all this stuff and then you would go to school mm-hmm. and the teacher would go, who's going to read this in front of the class? Who's going to recite this? And you have all these other kids that didn't go to church that they won't never, they won't get up in front of the class. Right. So it's like, you know, you know, it's always like, Oh, Robert will do it. Or, you know, any one of the other kids that grew up in church because we already, Used There's no to stage it, right? fright. We we right. already used to that, which, yeah, that's, that's fascinating all, to think. I never thought about that. It's like you have the leg up in 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 that instance, like you said, debate club. Anything that we you really have to get up in front of people, public speaking wise. Yeah, you already have a leg yeah, up. And on you're everyone. forced to do it in church, right? Because you don't have a chance. Because your parents are like, "You're gonna get up and recite this," <laughs> right? And you get. And you're giving big, big task every year, many times a year, whether it's the Easter speech or the Sunday school speech or the, everybody, let's recite this together. Let's sing together. Let's, you know, and God forbid, if you're like a, a child star, then you're always getting called to sing or perform or do something. So mm-hmm. it's kind of really, it's pretty, it's pretty funny, right? Like, sure. and what's weird is like, you know, people ask me, it's kind of weird because you have music programs out here mm-hmm. that or certain different things that people pay for. And it's like, well, if you go to church, it's actually free. You know, that's like <laughs> right. if you if you join the church and you pay your little bit of tithe money, you get all these experiences for free. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. The Sunday school is for free. Your child will be a better reader just by going to church because they're reading the Bible, which is already Hard. 10 grades ahead of what they're reading at church. <laughs> right, right. Right. There's right. words you're reading in a Bible where people are learning how to do on the senior spelling bee. Right. Mm-hmm. Sure. You already seen and read these words and you've heard them. Right. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of, you know, I'm not trying to push religion on nobody. No, but, that, I, but, it's just, but it makes just kind of facts. Right. <laughs> yeah. And that goes for any church, any religion, basically. Right. If you sure. are. Jewish or you're in, into Islam or whatever it is, right? You go to the synagogue or you go to the mosque and you're exposed to all these different words, right? And mm-hmm. recitals and different things and, and interactions and activities. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. why I that's why I see the church, you know, and me doing my program for the Robert Randolph Foundation being launched all throughout the churches because mm-hmm. churches Churches are that community galvanizing, right? That the just alone, the pastor is the star of the church, of that right. community. 
Yeah. Right. So everybody's like, oh, here, there goes the pastor. You know, hey, pastor, what do you think I should do this week? Right. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like us. People like, you know, if you're a star, I go like, hey, Robert, what do you think I should do at home? And so it's just like, I don't know. I ain't got nothing to do with you. I'm just a star. You know, I'm just a, a wannabe <laughs> rock star, you know. But it's kind of uh, wannabe is, is pushing it. <laughs> but it's just one of those kind of weird things that mm-hmm. I think we kind of all lose perspective of. And I mean, when you think about it years ago, like with my grandmother and them who were growing up, like, like that's where you really learned, you know, uh, that's where you really got advanced learning or any mm-hmm. sort of learning as you went to church and you had to organize and read and, and get books that you didn't have because access to education in those days wasn't much, right? Everybody didn't go to school. That's, that's the weird thing that people don't understand. Everybody didn't go to school. I mean, churches had to like say, we're having school to be able to teach these kids how to learn, right? Mm-hmm. Because of what was going on. And I'm going back, you know, anywhere from up into the 50s, right before public education became integrated, right? And all all Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. But um, um, it's kind of weird, right? That's why I tell people, it's like, people cry these days. It was like, like, oh, my child graduated from high school, right? It's like, well, that's regular now. Like, you know. (laughs) Sure. I mean, you know how it is, right? I'm sure you got parents or grandparents, right? If you ask them, I mean, they, they, you probably never really ask them when they talk about it much, but most people didn't graduate from high school, right? You right. you went to high school to get a skill and then you went to work by the time mm-hmm. you were like 15 or something. Yeah, you 14. went to a trade. Yeah, you you could halfway through high school, you can go to trade school. Like I, My uncle in particular, I think of like, he knew he was going to go to college. He knew his, you know, sophomore year, your 10th grade year that, okay, this is not for me. I'm going to get a trade and then I'm going to graduate and did really well for himself. Well, yeah, most most people did. I mean, that's yeah. how we got to this point. And then it just became part of the whole overall like plan. Like, hey, let's put everybody in school and let's have everybody learn. Right. Like when you think about it, right? What's the point of going to school and getting a D or an F? Right. The purpose yeah. is for purpose of you to go there to learn what you're trying to learn. Like if you get an F, that means you didn't learn it. If you get a <laughs> right. D, that means you didn't learn it. Right. But you get pushed on to the next grade but you still failed at something that you were supposed to learn. Now you're just ca- trying to catch up, right? And yeah, you're never well, you're trying catch to catch up. up. So that's where education kind of plays this important role that I see, right? Because, I mean, I apply that to me, right? I mean, I was mm-hmm. really bored with school growing up, you know, and many things like I learned later on in life that as a child, it shouldn't be. I mean, granted, we're all learning different things constantly, Mm-hmm. But when it comes to education, as I see it, I mean, I, I, and I think we're at a point now, especially when COVID, like, like the education system has been exposed, right? Because we're, yeah. for many people, first of all, you got many parents that don't want to go back to that because A, their child has learned way more if you're like this proactive parent, because now you can teach your child whatever, mm-hmm. right? I mean, granted, we went all, I mean, granted, we kind of all want to push the kids back at school so we could have some free time. (laughs) Actually work and (laughs) get stuff done. (laughs) Right. But, but yeah, but imagine a world if like you sent your kid to school for these specific things 
And they learned. They never failed. There was never, there's no need for a grade system. What's the point of that, right? Mm-hmm. What I mean by grade, first, second, third, fourth, fifth, there's a 12, right? I mean, you get to the 12, but you still failed math for the last five years. <laughs> right. But you, like, well, I got A's and everything else, and I got F's in math or D's or even a C, right? That means you still didn't fully learn it. Right, right. <laughs> it's and like partially learned it. Well, yeah, in order for us to do this Zoom thing, right, we got to learn Zoom. <laughs> so you got to mm-hmm. work, right? Like, so it's like you have to learn in order to make it work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Sure. Right. Sure. So you could understand it. So, so we all know, like, you spend hours and hours a day, even if you just say hours and hours a year, you go to school, you got a subject, it's, it's an hour a day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Right. And for however many days of the year, and then at the end of the year, you get a, D. <laughs> right. What did you really right. learn? Nothing. You what what did you? A, you wasted an hour a day for <laughs> however <Yeah>. many days. <laughs> I just think that that doesn't happen anything like anything else. Like like if you go to if you go to Berkeley to learn chords and notes, right? Berkeley School of Music. You're going right. to learn though. They're not going to right. You know what I'm saying? You're not going <laughs> to. They're not going like to advance you if you don't know the scale yeah right? you're not or gonna get it back. yeah like you like you gotta know what's the theory what, what are we teaching okay do you understand that no okay go home do you understand it yes okay now you move on right <laughs> right right that makes or like, sense yeah or, but you know and some people everybody's not meant to learn the same thing anyway if that was the case then like Everybody that the block you live on would all have the same skill and work at the same job. Right, right. right. <laughs> and you wouldn't and you wouldn't be intrigued by conversation and asking people, wow, how'd you learn that? How'd you wow, what made you want to go into that field? Right? Mm-hmm. Right. Cause you'd know so, everybody would be the same. Everybody would be doing the same thing. And yeah. yeah. So in the course of education, right? Especially, you know, if you're uh, black or an immigrant in those days. Right. An industrial revolution. Right. I mean, you had I mean, you see the old video with like the bell rings. Everybody wakes up for work in the neighborhood, walks to the factory, work Mm -hmm. at the factory. Ding, ding. Everybody go home. In comes the next shift. Right. Right. (laughs) That was the old model. Right. Uh School was sort of based off that same model. Ding, ding, ding. The bell rings. Everybody go to class. We're teaching us. Meanwhile, you got some people like, I don't get this. I don't understand this. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, that's okay. You get an F. <laughs> right, but we'll take you to the next like, class. Like, damn, is it my fault that I? That, yeah, like, is it damn? Is it my fault that I didn't get? No, it's just like that child is different. He's a different learning experience. Sure. So as we know in church, growing up, so all of these things are sort of common, which kind of pushed me passionately into uh, my foundation, specializing really on child education and all and in every form. Mm-hmm. Really providing a uh, skill, you know, allowing people to act to to identify their skills or giving them all the options to identify what their skill is and what skill they want to go into. Right. Mm-hmm. What do they want to learn? Is that part of what the Robert Randolph Foundation is? Is that? Yes. The yes. Back kind of, can you I'm curious to know kind of the backbone of that or the like what kind of got you involved? Well, we created a, a, a program called Create Your Future and program, which allows kids to access to identify their skills. So we've creating we've created all these different individualized 
uh, learning experience for, for kids, right? Everybody from K to 12, right? To by time you, you become 16, 17 as the old, as you said, your uncle and the old model of going to school, like you already right. pretty much, first of all, you have a skill and then you know which field you want to go down to, which will be able to allow you to find a job, right? And focus and on that you skill. Could, yeah, you focus on that skill. Like we all know, like we, you know, you know how it is. You put a bunch of kids in a room and you, if you put a bunch of things out there, right? You'll see different kids go to different stations. Mm-hmm. It's just natural, <laughs> you right. know? Certain kids you'll find and you see people, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do this. I'm like, you know, it's like, but also it's like, where's the world going? Right. So it's funny. Cause I was in, I was just talking to a bunch of kids the other day that were like 22, 23 years old. And they were been through college and got degrees and, you know, and very intelligent kids. And I kind of asked them, I said, well, what, what was the one thing that he's like, I was like, what was the one thing that, that you guys learned in your whole entire process from elementary all the way going to college and graduating and stuff that you would change or you would see should be a ne- the, the bare the, the, the bare necessity to have all the tools to succeed. Mm-hmm. And they all said STEM, STEM and arts, science, technology, yeah, engineering, mm-hmm. and math. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so, and I said, well, shouldn't that so, so you guys saying every school should be that, right? She's like, yes. Because if, if, if you don't know, if you don't, if you're not focused on those, then what's the point of <laughs> growing old and saying you do something, right? That's where the world is going. You need those particular skills and that knowledge to mm-hmm. succeed in life, right? I mean, especially as being an American child, right? When you know that's already going on in Japan and China and now in India and Africa mm-hmm. and all these different places around the world, that's what right? That's what we're doing. That's what they're doing. That's what they're doing. Right? That's what they're doing. <laughs> Meanwhile, we're going to school here. And so it's just kind of really the Robert Randolph Foundation really wants to work hand in hand with the school system to help them better understand, to help them out, to create new pathways. And hopefully there can be, I mean, because there's already a lot of different things like this going on around the country. So it's really just expanding having me and my own experiences and what I see, what I've learned and what I didn't learn, giving these kids those opportunities mm-hmm. to be able to, uh, you know, have a skill, at least have a skill. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, we all see kids, they like graduate from high school. It's like, Hey, can you, what can you do? Oh, I can't do anything. Mm-hmm. Like, like nothing, like, like no trade at nothing. No, no, no. I mean, I know how to, you know, I know how to log on Instagram and, and right. Twitter. And, <laughs> right. So yeah. that's sort of the thing, man. When you, especially when you look at thing, you know, I've been to Silicon Valley. It's kind of weird. Cause like you go to Silicon Valley, we've played private events there and done that whole thing. And you get uh-huh. there and you go like, man, um, I mean, look, it's like, wow, there's really no black kids here. There's no black people here hardly on Silicon right. Valley. Sure. And when you look into it, it's the exposure of it all, mm-hmm. right? There's no exposure to get to that path, you know, to be on that path, to be able to get to Silicon Valley. So, and I'm sure it's like that, you know, while being, but, but also in any sort of, you know, lower class neighborhood education experiences, Right. you don't get, you don't, you don't get put on that path. It's like, oh, this is a, 
a special thing. These kids had to go to so-and-so school. Like, why is that? This right. is where the world is going. We're mm-hmm. STEM. Like, everybody should be on that path. Sure. Right? So with your foundation, you're, you're, you're teaching STEM. Or are you providing, like, ideas and, and, and say, like, okay, these are some cool, like... Yes, we have know, a whole curriculum out. Do. Yes, the Create Your Future program is a whole entire curriculum that uh, we're launching at in September that many people will be able to access online. We're going to be launching it in many church um, organizations throughout so everybody could have the access, the skill to have these opportunities put right in front of them, right? And we'll work hand in hand with all of these different church groups, church organizations, uh, look, non-religious organizations, um, people in different communities to be able to access this curriculum and have these choices to be able to succeed. And then, you know, work hand in hand with different school boards around the country to see, you know, to present to them, you know, maybe there's a new curriculum. A new path, mm-hmm. you know, that works in the public school system, right? So I learned like New Hampshire and I believe Arizona and a few other states have already since the pandemic, right, have like have said, look, okay, instead of it being mandatory that tax money comes out and goes into the state school budget for your kid, mm-hmm. right? It's like, okay, so if you're going to, if your kid's going to do a different type of learning, that money, this state money will then go to that. I love that. Yeah. So so a parent is not put on pressure for their child to like want to learn Mandarin and got to pay a hundred dollars or five hundred dollars a week. <laughs> right? right. Or want to learn you know, any type of stems after school program or whatever it is. You know, that, that those things are expensive, man. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah, my child's in the STEM program after school for two hours a day, you know, three days a week. Well, how much is that? Oh, seven hundred dollars a week. Well, gee, mm-hmm. you know. We already know, like, only certain types of people, A, can only afford that. Right. B, that means all the other thousands of kids just in that school district gets left behind. So, mm-hmm. Well, I love what you're doing. I think that's fantastic, especially right now, like, with COVID and everything being kind of exposed in that sense. I think what you're doing yeah. is... You I mean, know. look, and the data's already out there. There's already, like, millions of parents that decide they do not want to put their child back into the system. Yep. Right. They've been exposed to a different way and it's not for everybody. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know it's not for me either, but (laughs) it's not for everybody. It's, you know, for a lot of people, you want to be able to have that choice. Uh Right. And that's how it should be. Look, you know, here in New Jersey, high schools like my high school was built for, you know, 15 kids to be in these classrooms. It's the same goddamn building, same school. Same uh-huh. building. There's 30, 30 plus kids in these schools in these classes. You know, uh-huh. classes. The classrooms only built for fifteen kids back in the thirties or forties. Yeah, <laughs> now you got thirty plus kids in a classroom, and how, and how many thirty of them are plus being kids? Left pressure's yeah. on. You got one teacher. Like, how the hell is that supposed to happen? Right. <laughs> yeah, right. That's how people wind up with D's and F's and mm-hmm. C's, right? And it's like focus on you know having more focus and. And and it's kind of like, you know, you want to say, you know, you kind of don't want to say thank God for the pandemic, but thank God for the pandemic, because 
I mean, look, we're on Zoom, right? right. <laughs> like, I know something we'd never have had we this conversation. We, we would have been trying to figure out how to do this, right? Like, I'm a, oh, I'm just going to call him and interview him and, right. or, hey, I need him to fly here and we're going to do it in the studio. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Right. And how did Skype miss the boat on this? That's my question. <laughs> they were kind of the first thing. And then Zoom Skype was just was like, the first <laughs> thing. Zoom just zoomed right in. And it and was slapped like, slapped them across the Microsoft, face. it was a Teams and all those other things, right? Yeah, right. Uh, oh, yeah, right. But, but Zoom swooped right in and, and kudos to them, right? Right. I know. It's fair. It's, you, you remember, if you think back, like, you know, well, it's more than a year ago now, but like, March, April, 2020 is like, Hey, you want to jump on Zoom? Like, what is that? I don't have Zoom. Right. Like, what are you talking about? I work about? this thing. Yeah. <laughs> and I can't even tell you how many foul-ups that happen, right. With like Zoom performances or things like that. Right. It's like, uh-huh. I can't get my guitar to be recorded at Zoom. I can't. Oh, I, oh, this is a nightmare. And like people paid and like, sorry guys, I got to come back. You know? Right. I know you paid for a private Zoom performance, but shit's not working. <laughs> right. I'm sure you ran into some of the that mess trying to do those live streams a bit. Or, All of that. Oh, uh, I finally gave up. I just decided I wasn't going to do it anymore because I was like, I, I, you know, I'll do interviews. I'm not doing any live Zoom things. It's like I give up. It's just it doesn't sound good. There's no yeah. audience here, you know. Mm-hmm. That's the beauty. Like that's the thing that motivates me to play music. It's like I've been playing music in front of between churches and going out and play like live has been a thing. And like, mm-hmm. I mean, granted, we I, I need to play music and fans need to hear music and we need to have that sort of therapeutic energy and right. that mental health fix. Sure. Right. But I was like, Hey, go, go get another band. <laughs> Let me recommend you. Here's five people that are doing this great. Yeah. I'm out. I'm out this year on zoom performances, you know, well, you do have some in-person ones coming up, right? At the end of the month. Yeah, we got a lot of uh, dates coming up. Um, we'll fantastic. be all in. Yeah, we'll be in the Midwest with Buddy Guy. Then we're doing a bunch of shows with Dave Matthews. We're doing some of our own. And knock on wood, hopefully we get to play the shows with these variants coming back out and mask mandates and stuff. But we all need it. We all need it to happen. Mm-hmm. Have you had a chance to perform in front of anyone yet, or are these shows? Coming yeah, yeah, out, yeah. We've one? played a few. Yeah, we've played about five, six shows already. How is that? So, was it pretty emotional coming out there for the first time in a it's, year? It's all, <laughs> it's all great. It's all rusty and great. And the biggest thing that, and I learned that from Warren Haynes, like who's such a great singer, and and, and actually a couple other people, like you know you know, these vocal cords are like muscles, right? It's like trying mm-hmm. to bench press and like your whole life you've been using these things, right? Especially performing. Mm-hmm. And then everybody's been off. So now right. you get back on tour, like it's like trying to go back and like do some squats. It's like, you got to start back. It's like, oh, whoa, whoa, what's going on? You're like, oh, you're like, oh shoot. <laughs> got to yeah. start low, start slow. <laughs> yeah, we've been used to belting out, you know, five times a week or, 15 times a month and it's like you haven't mm-hmm. you've been at home like hey little johnny put down the toys hey <laughs> come on hey we just we're gonna watch, we're gonna be quiet for months on end and watch everything on netflix you know mm-hmm. yeah totally <laughs> well i'm i'm excited that you're able to do this and and get back out there and hopefully before you know with very like you said mass mandates and all that hopefully that'll all be 
a thing of the past here soon enough. And I appreciate you talking with me today, Robert. I, you've been great. Well, thank you. Thank you, man. This was a blast. I love talking. <laughs> and that's what I love to do now is talk. I love it. I do have one more question for you before I let you go. Uh, yeah. If you have any advice for aspiring artists. Advice for aspiring artists to uh, try to be as original as you can. Mm -hmm. Try to try to embrace. Don't let nobody tell you what you're if you're on the right path of musical influences. We're all different. Try to be as humble and as open to corrective criticism on your way up as you're getting better and just keep at it. You know, music inspires and lifts so many different people, you know, I mean, just to show, I mean, I'm sure, you know, like you go to a party, somebody's or, or wasted. Somebody grabs a guitar, somebody starts singing and all of a sudden that brings a whole new found joy. And that, that, that'll just always be there. So play music with passion and love and, and, um, don't let nobody tell you. Don't try to get into an argument for anybody to change your influences. It's like the Beatles or Zeppelin. <laughs> you know, <laughs> who's better, Hendrix or I mean, uh, Hendrix or this one, right? Or in Jersey, we got Bon Jovi or Springsteen. <laughs> <laughs> Screw you, man! You don't like Bon Jovi. I hate you. Bon Jovi's better. <laughs>